Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, I've got some cool UFO news for you, but first off, we have a winner. That's right, we have our first winner in the Joshua P. Warren e-newsletter cash giveaway, which, as you may know, is part of an experiment that I'm doing occasionally when I send out one of my e-newsletters, it will have a little uh, sort of um, almost unnoticeable little link or email address, and it will say click here or send an email there, and you'll get some money, okay? And there's no catch or anything like that. It's part of an experiment, and later on I'll, I'll explain this to you. So I sent out an e-newsletter last night, and it had uh, a link that said click here, and it had an email address, and it said the first person who clicks here will win $100. And so uh, it was pretty amazing to sit back and watch just thousands and thousands of emails just come pouring in all really quickly. I was uh, pretty amazed. Um, I, I was considering it was a weeknight and everything, I figured people might be getting ready for bed or something, but no. Thousands of them came pouring in over a series of minutes. And the very first person who emailed me, and by the way, I want to point this out. Some people just hit reply to the email I sent. That was not the instruction. The instruction said, send an email to this other address. It's a similar one, but not the same one, with a subject line, money. That's all all you have to do. And the very first person to do that was a woman named Lindsay Day. She gave me her permission to give out her name And uh, I asked her if she would even tell me a little bit about herself, and she was happy to do so. Um, Here's what she wrote, and by the way, uh, her email address has a reference to spots in it, and uh, and you'll see why I'm pointing that out. She says, hi Joshua, OMG, I can't believe I won. And she says, yes, I have a PayPal account. And she gave me her PayPal account so I could send her the money. And uh, if you don't have a PayPal account, that's okay. I can get you the money some other way, but PayPal is certainly the easiest. And uh, she says, I live in Palatine, Illinois, a northwest suburb of Chicago. I am a service technician for tropical plants. I take care of tropical plants in offices, businesses, hotels, restaurants, etc., I subscribe to your e-newsletter to keep up to date on new thoughts and ideas in the paranormal world. I like your podcast because they are interesting and short. When I am not working, I enjoy gardening, Irish music fests, taking paranormal classes at my local community college, reading, spending time with my cat and dog, my kids, and my friends. I have always been fascinated with the paranormal and have had previous experiences, so I am always eager to learn more. In case you're wondering what the email address means, I am on my second Dalmatian. His name is Magic. I'm attaching his photo with the Easter Bunny. His brother, my cat, was terrified of the Easter Bunny and refused to have his picture taken, LOL. Thank you very much, and happy Easter. And again, that's from Lindsay Day, and she attached this really cute picture of her Dalmatian magic sitting there very calmly at the knee of uh, a big, friendly-looking Easter bunny. And, of course, uh, 
you know, I'm a big dog fan, and so is Lauren, and uh, Lauren and I have uh, really enjoyed sitting here and uh, <laughs> thinking about that day <laughs> when the the pets got to go see the Easter Bunny, and uh, I think some pets would <laughs> would definitely be freaked out to go see a giant Easter Bunny. That's a pretty funny picture. So, uh, so yeah, she's got her money. That's all there was to it, and uh, once again, congratulations, Lindsay, and thank you very much for listening to this podcast and being a subscriber to my free e-newsletter. Anybody can participate in this. You just go to joshuapwarren.com and sign up for my free e-newsletter. And uh, and by the way, Lindsay, just because you won uh, once doesn't mean you can't win again. You can keep on winning. Uh, Anybody who's a subscriber has a chance to win. It's all about being the first person to respond when I ask you to do something. I'll put a little clue there, a little tip for you in the e-newsletter and uh, it's good for the experiment and also it's good to bring people in who uh, maybe maybe you listen to this podcast all the time but you just haven't gotten around to signing up for the e-newsletter well it's a good way to give you motivation to do that so it's kind of a win-win for everybody so uh and, and and by the way i'll be doing this again soon with who knows how much money i mean i'm starting with 100 but i can give away as much as i want so Keep that in mind. Um, I've been getting lots of interesting emails. Not Nothing too new about that. But I got one that, that reminded me of a funny story. At least I hope that you'll find it humorous. Um, of course, lots of people are coming to my big event in Las Vegas this May. And it's May 16th, 17th, and 18th. Finding Your Magic, How to Hack Reality a one-time only event, only for 100 people. And um, I got an email from a guy who's attending the event, and he was asking me about all the amenities there are on the property. So in addition to uh, the event itself, I mean, this is taking place at the Excalibur, which is a huge MGM resort there with 24-hour food court, and uh, a buffet like you wouldn't believe, and an arcade theater, of course, the 24-hour casino. There's a tram that takes you to other places. But he was asking me uh, specifically about the spa, because they have a fantastic spa. In fact, um, I love to go to spas because I find that they put me in a meditative state. And you can sort of lounge around in these warm pools of water, with uh, waterfalls and fountains, and um, you can go back and forth if you want between like steam rooms and then cold areas and all. This. And I come up with ideas. I'll go to a spa by myself and uh, I'll just sort of relax. And uh, the sounds and the smells and the water takes my mind out of my body, and uh, I get all kinds of great ideas. And then, of course, you know, they have all these services. You can get massages and whatnot as well. And so all that's available right there for you at the Excalibur. But I was thinking about this whole concept of the things you can do. And I guess I have a tip because this guy's never been to a spa. And I was thinking of some basic spa tips especially if you're going to get a massage or something like that. And it reminded me of this story. Now, you know, I write uh, frequently, okay? I've published a lot of stuff. Uh, At this point, I've published over 20 books. I don't know exactly what I'm up to. Uh, 
Um, and I got started when I was really young. I was just a teenager when I started writing and publishing books. And often when you're writing for hours and hours and hours at a time, especially if you're on a deadline and you're in a crunch, I mean, you could sit there and write, you know, 12, 14 hours. And sometimes when you're done, your back is just killing you. And um, it doesn't matter uh, how nice your chair is or how often you stand up or sit down. I mean, just being leaned over a computer and just focusing that hard. And actually, my very first book was written just by hand. So I'm not just a computer kid. But uh, anyway, I would get to the point where sometimes I, you know, I would write for hours and hours and my neck and my back would be so sore that, uh, you know, you could rub cream on it or whatever, and it wouldn't make a difference. You'd, you'd really need to go and get a massage. And so I started getting into going and having my neck and my back massaged when I was going through these periods where I'd be intensively riding like that. And um, so for years... I would go to uh, some kind of a, a chain spa or whatever, or a chain, you know, masseuse, whatever town I happened to be in, and I would say, listen, you know, I need some work done on my back. And then um, oftentimes you'll go in there and they'll say, well, hey, we can give you a full body massage for a few dollars more. Do you want to go for that? And I say, yeah, sure. So for years, when I was having problems with my back, especially my my lower back area there, I would go in and I would get one of these massages, and it was always very professional. You know, nobody ever offered to give me a happy ending or anything like that. Um, but I always kept my underwear on. So <clears throat> at one point, years ago, I was working on a book in Florida. And I was having sore back. So I made an appointment to go get a massage at, again, one of these mainstream massage places nearby. And I go in and they say, hey, would you like to get the full body massage? I said, sure. And they said, um, any areas you want to focus on? I said, yes, my neck, my back, especially my lower back here right around my waistband. Uh, and, and they said, okay no problem we'll we'll fix you right up and they said uh, okay mr warren uh, uh, go go into this room relax uh, undress to your level of comfort and uh, your masseuse will be in shortly i said great thank you very much so i go into the room and you know they said undress to your level of comfort so i figure i i know that they're going to want to be getting down there in my lower back i'm just going to get for the first time ever, butt naked. And so, because I figure, you know, what the heck, I'm going to be laying face down. Everybody has an ass, right? What's the big deal? So I take off all my clothes, butt naked. And I climb up onto the uh, little padded massage table. And I'm lying there face down with my arms hanging off the side. And there's music playing and there are all these nice aromas. And within a few minutes, I'm in this nice, relaxed, meditative state. And then I hear the door open behind me. And then I hear a woman shriek, 
like she has just walked in on a crime scene. And now that will snap you right out of uh, your meditative state. And I whip around to see this Cuban lady sort of stumbling backward out the door. And all she can say is, Tao, Tao, Tao. And I realize that this woman is shrieking at the sight of my bare, white, unsung-kissed ass. Um, now, I, uh, I didn't realize that when you lay down like that, you're supposed to, I guess, put a towel over yourself. Nobody told me that. Maybe that seems obvious to you, uh, but it just didn't occur to me. So, of course, you know, I grab a towel and I put it over myself. And she's closed the door by now. And uh, and by the way, it's a good thing that I was already a grown man at this point because uh, I can see how this could cause some uh, damage to the psyche of, of a developing self-esteem I was way past that point, you know, having a woman, you ever have a woman shriek at the side of your naked body, like she's in an Alfred Hitchcock movie? So, I'm now I'm laying here, I'm like, well, I hope I, I hope this is good enough, you know, so I'm laying there, I got the towel over me, a few minutes later, the door opens, she comes back in, and everything's fine, she just proceeds as if nothing happened. Uh, just comes up, gives me a great massage, hits all the right spots, very professional. She actually maneuvers the towel around throughout the process to sort of cover up the important parts as she's working, the way that a magician might use a handkerchief throughout his illusion to sort of slide it around and cover up the part where the trick is happening. And when all was done, my back felt much better. Everything was great. Uh, put on my clothes, gave her a nice tip, left. But I learned a lesson that day. And the lesson is, if you go for a massage and you decide to go for the full nude then uh, you are expected to at least put a towel over yourself uh, so that the masseuse then, the massage therapist, is able to determine, I guess, what, how much access visually he or she may have to your body. Um, so don't say I didn't tell you that if you go to the spa and you order up a massage. At least that was my experience. Here endeth the lesson. But in Vegas, you know, one of the things that we're going to have for you is some of this strange debris from Roswell, New Mexico. And I have a small collection of this debris. Some of it, I well, one piece of it, I did um, put on public display twice. But I have other pieces that I've never put on public display. And I'm going to have those with me. I guarantee you there will be some people from the government there in the audience wanting to see what I'm up to. I'm going to have these pieces of debris with me. 
and I'm going to uh, let you see them do some amazing things. All right, uh, I'm going to do a live demonstration for you and show you some of the amazing things these will do, and then I'm going to actually let you play with this stuff, put it in your own hands. And it's a very fitting place to do this, Las Vegas, because, you know, there has been all this talk about back engineering of UFO crash debris in the Vegas area in particular. So I have no doubt there will be a lot of government interest in all this. And so in the midst of this preparation, the UFO activity is continuing to increase as if we are entering what is surely another flat, as they call it. And I want to read this story to you that just came out that Lauren sent to me. Let me see if I can find it here. My desk is uh, pretty messy. I actually, I have a story here I read the other day that says, here's how you can tell that you are intelligent. It says three things that intelligent people have in common. It says, number one, they sometimes use bad language. Yeah, that would be me. Say, number two, they like to stay up <clears throat> late into the night. Well, that's a big duh for me. And the number three is they have a messy desk. Well, I must be a genius then, my friends, because I have all three of those qualities. It reminds me of um, recently I was in a bar and uh, I saw that someone had scrawled on the wall, if drinking a glass of wine is healthy, I must be immortal by now. Sometimes I feel that way. Here is this story from CBS News. And it says, two airline pilots report seeing UFO while flying over Arizona. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to read this to you. Um, two airline pilots traveling over Arizona claimed they were passed by an unidentified flying object or objects while flying at over 30,000 feet in the air. CBS Denver reports that both planes reported the sighting and now the Federal Aviation Administration has released a radio broadcast of this out-of-the-world incident. According to the radio logs, pilots of a Learjet operated by Phoenix Air and an American Airlines flight saw the object flying in the opposite direction of their planes on February the 24th. In a copy of the conversation with the Albuquerque Center Air Traffic Control, the Phoenix Air Pilot makes the first sighting of the strange object at around 3.30 p.m. local time. Quote, was anybody above that passed us like 30 seconds ago? The pilot asks in a tape released to the Phoenix News, uh, Phoenix New Times. The answer from the FAA was negative. With the... Um, Learjet's close encounter still on their minds. The FAA in Albuquerque alerts American Airlines Flight 1095 to keep an eye out for an object in the sky as they fly towards San Diego. Less than a minute after the warning, Flight 1095's pilot radios in that his plane was just passed by the UFO. Quote, yes, yeah, something just passed over us, the pilot reported. I don't know what it was, but it was at least two or three thousand 
feet above us, yet it passed right over the top of us, end quote. The pilots could not determine if the unidentified object was hovering or actually flying, but the American Airlines pilot can be heard saying the UFO had a, quote, big reflection, and he doubted it was a Google balloon. Quote, other than the brief conversation between the two aircraft, the controller was unable to verify that any other aircraft was in the area, the FAA's Lynn Lunsford told the New Times. Coincidentally, the UFO sighting took place just 500 miles away from Roswell, New Mexico. Um, Let me uh, pause here, folks. It says, coincidentally... Coincidentally, the UFO sighting took place just 500 miles away from Roswell, New Mexico. Roswell is home to the most famous UFO stories in U.S. history, as a flying saucer allegedly crashed in the desert there in 1947. Um, Okay, I'll just read the rest of this. It says, quote, We don't have any comment beyond what you hear. Other than the brief conversation between two aircraft, the controller was unable to verify that any other aircraft was in the area, the statement read. Quote, we have a close working relationship with a number of other agencies and safely handle military aircraft and civilian aircraft of all types in that area every day, including high-altitude weather balloons, end quote. They summarize this article by saying, the radio logs come three months after video captured by U.S. Navy pilots offered an inside look at a secretive government program that investigated UFOs. The little-known Pentagon program had a budget of about $22 million, according to the civilian intelligence officer who used to run it. Most of the sightings it looked at were by U.S. military personnel who have been reporting UFO sightings for decades. Um, you get the sense they're coming back, folks? Now, I know what you're, you're probably thinking, well, they never left. They never went anywhere. Um, I want to point out something for you that I find very interesting. You know, I wrote some about this in my book, The Secret Wisdom of Kukulkan. All of the world's major religions that began thousands of years ago tend to have something in common. They come from different parts of the world, but regardless of how each culture sort of tried to describe and record and pass along its experiences, they all essentially said the same thing. What they all said was thousands of years ago, there was a mass visitation. They were visited by beings from the sky to such an extent that these weren't just glimpses. I mean, these were beings who would come down and they'd have a chat with you. They'd come sit down and have dinner at your house. Seriously. And... Not only do those beings come down here, but at some point, most of them left. They went back up into the sky, and 
before they left, they all said, oh, and by the way, we're going to come back again someday. That's what all these cultures have in common. Beings came down from the sky, then said, we're going to come back again someday, and they went back up into the sky. And it makes you wonder if, well, they're about to come back again. And I'm talking an in mass, okay? I think there have always been probes here, and there's always been stuff flying around, and there may even be whole civilizations here. Um, for example, you have these people who claim they are being abducted into the sky. I think maybe sometimes people get abducted into the water here in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, you know, these Bermuda Triangle disappearances, they are still happening. Um, you know, the very first person to report some weird activity here in the modern era, and I'm saying modern in terms of the 1400s, because you could go back thousands of years and look at some of the weird stuff the Mayans and the Islanders were talking about. But in 1492, Columbus reported on his first visit to the New World that he saw weird lights on the water and his compass was spinning around. Since then, there have been hundreds of reports of people who are being, uh, well, well, who've just disappeared. Uh, in 1918, the United States suffered its single largest loss of life when a ship called the USS Cyclops vanished in the Triangle. There were over 300 men on that ship. Nobody can explain what happened to the Cyclops. Of course, we have, in 1945, the five Navy bombers that all disappeared. That was 14 men on those Navy bombers. The last message that was sent back was, everything looks strange, weird, even the sea doesn't look as it should. All 14 of those men and those five bombers disappeared. Then they sent out a rescue plane with 13 men on it, and it vanished also. No trace of any of those to this day. 2015, you might remember the news story, the merchant ship called El Faro was traveling through the triangle toward Puerto Rico. It was hit all of a sudden by a very weird storm. The ship sank and they finally went down and found this ship. I think it was like 15,000 feet below. And when they found it, there was no trace of any of the 33 crew members. Now, there were people who were in the bowels of that ship trying to save it. There should be some remnants of those people. Nope, the people were gone. Just last year, just last year, Aguadilla Airport. Okay, we're talking 2017. A plane, a small plane with just four people inside, a woman and her two kids and her boyfriend took off from the Aguadilla Airport under perfect weather conditions, flew into the triangle, vanished. That Aguadilla Airport also happens to be the exact same location where Homeland Security filmed this bizarre object flying around, dipping in and out of the water that finally is joined by a second object, and then both of them go into the water and disappear. 
all of this close to the deepest point in the Atlantic Ocean, the Puerto Rico Trench, which is almost 30,000 feet deep. You know, the highest mountain east of the Mississippi is Mount Mitchell in the neck of the woods where I'm from in North Carolina. Mount Mitchell is 6,684 feet tall. This trench is almost 30,000 feet deep. You could take Mount Everest and put it in the trench and only the little tip would be sticking up. If you haven't seen the footage of this object that Homeland Security captured flying around the Agua de Puerto Rico airport, you should see it. Go to joshuapwarren.com, click the link that says News, and there will be a link there to a report I did on what I call OUFOs. You need to watch the footage, OUFOs. You can also just go to Google and type in my name and OUFOs, and it'll probably come up, or uh, go to YouTube and do the same. It's possible that there have been civilizations here below the water, who knows where they are, under the ground, that have been hanging out, keeping an eye on things, abducting people. But it might be time for a mass return of these beings. And you might ask yourself, well, why is that? Well, I want you to consider something. Um, Up until 1992... Scientists believed that the only planets in the universe that they could prove were there were the nine planets here around us. I'm talking like Mars and Saturn and Jupiter and Uranus, etc., okay? And then in 1992, there were a couple of scientists. They started working in 1990, but a couple of scientists went, where did they go? They came to Puerto Rico to the Arecibo Observatory and they started taking measurements and they discovered that there were other planets out there and they announced this in 1992. So it took a, and that's not too long ago. I'm assuming most of you listening to this podcast remember 1992. So before 1992, we didn't know that there were any other planets out there. Now, scientists are telling us there are billions of, and billions of planets strewn all over the universe. Now, I want you to look at what a leap that is in our scientific acknowledgement of how vast and how impressive this universe is. There used to be a time when the scientists would say, oh, there's no way there's life out there, there's no way... And the people who said there's other life out there were the wackos. Now, the scientists are saying, yep, there's got to be life out there. What a shift in consciousness this is for the scientists to now be embracing what they used to say was wacky talk. For the scientists to be saying, yep, there are so many things out there Um it's like I, I mentioned this before. There was a scientist on a great documentary on Nova who said if you take a drinking straw and you hold it up and you look through it at a night sky, just in a dark patch of the night sky, there are billions of galaxies in that little cross section. And each one of those galaxies 
has billions of planets. Or, or you know, you're talking billions of planets being within that. Oh, gosh, I'm a, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling, okay? It's billions, trillions, more things out there than there are grains of sand on all the oceans, or excuse me, on all the beaches um, on Earth. So now the scientists are saying, yeah, there's got to be life out there. There just has to be. And do you think that maybe that this is what causes that shift in consciousness that makes them feel that it's time for them to come back? I mean, if these beings are just sort of waiting to become more prominent until we're truly ready and, and, and we're not completely shocked, then this would be a good time. You know, we're leading into a good time where we have scientists saying, yeah, uh, there, there must, must be life out there. We have the Pentagon now saying, yeah, we've been back engineering weird stuff that we can't explain that came from UFOs. I mean, the truth is pretty much right in front of you. You know, it's not just out there. It's right in front of you. And so I think that we are becoming mentally ready to accept this. And this might be the only thing that really does somehow save us from destroying each other because you know you look at what's happening in the news these days it's like living in the cold war half the time again you know where who's going to blow up who with a nuclear bomb this week um you know it's just like you know the the, the apes here on this planet running around with such power and you know roswell that was the base where the atomic bombs flew from that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And then, you know, that happened in 1945. Two years later, the Roswell incident occurs. Now look at this. We have pilots seeing something flying around Roswell once again. Um, It may be that the time has come where we are right on the verge of having the awareness not only to be open to this reality, but um, we also are uh, maybe showing them in some way that we we can accept the idea of having aliens without freaking out like everybody did when War of the Worlds was aired in the 1930s. Um, maybe that's what they have been waiting for. I don't know. You know, you could also say that if they return, it's going to be bad for everybody. We're all going to be slaves again. So, yeah, it's it's a great mystery. It really is. But I do think, however, that there is an increase in this kind of activity that's occurring. And it is past time for us to start getting out there in the field, as I have suggested before, and pointing high-speed cameras up at the sky because I think many of these things are flying around at such fast speeds that if we point high-speed cameras up there at hot spots in the sky and then we slow that footage down, we are going to see incredible things. This 
is one of the projects that is on my list of things to do. The only reason that I haven't done this yet is because literally I've just been, I'm too ambitious. I have too many things going on at once. This is on my list of things to do. Put high definition, high speed cameras at hotspots pointing at the sky. And I'm talking things that are shooting 25,000 to 100,000 frames per second. Shooting portions of the sky, uh, getting that footage, analyzing it. If you are somebody listening to this podcast who already has a high-speed camera, which is an unusual thing, I'd love to hear from you because we might be able to work together on some kind of a project. So this is a primo time for all of us interested in UFOs and uh, interdimensional contact and all that to really start opening our minds and to realize something is happening here. There is a, a real shift is occurring. We're having more and more contact and interaction with these beings. They're becoming less and less bashful. We're getting better and better at documenting what's happening here. And uh, very soon, many of us who have said that this stuff was crazy uh, or many people who've said that we're crazy, um, if you're an investigator, you know, you could call that from time to time, those people are going to have to say, look, all right, this is real. And we made a big, big mistake all these years and blowing this off. So this is one of many things that we're going to dig deeply into in Las Vegas this May. So uh, again, hopefully you will be there and you'll get to play with some of this debris that I have. All the information is at joshuapwarren.com. There is no period after the P. Go to joshuapwarren.com and click the link at the top for the event. You can find out how to subscribe to my e-newsletter there. It takes two seconds. Put your name in there. Actually, you put your email address in there. Hit the button, and soon I will be sending out an email to give away some more money. Uh, and you'll see a link there to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always short. It's always free. And if you click that link, you will find various ways you can subscribe or just follow me on Twitter at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet when a new one is available. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious, and I will talk to you again soon.